Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Stacia Keo. Welcome. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, the Focus on Why is what my business is all about. <laughs> Absolutely. As a storyteller, it sure is. So let's just get started. Let's talk about storytelling and what you're doing with storytelling. Well, story is um, something that's on everybody's lips all the time, you know, telling that story, what's your story, you know, do you know your story? And um, it's kind of funny because when I first started out and and certainly when I mentioned it in business circles, when I was uh, first networking, people thought stories, they're for kids. And uh, they said, what children do you work with? And of course, I've worked with children all my life and I'm a perennial child myself. So people didn't realize that you could actually tell stories to adults. And there were adult storytelling clubs, which is uh, where I kind of got uh, known in storytelling circles here in London. And of course, business storytelling, which is a really specific and specialized craft, if you like. So why is your story so important? Your story is really kind of who you are and where you came from. I mean, um, which is why I'm really grateful to be on the, a podcast called Focus on Why, because, you know, stuff happens, but stories tell us how and why they happen. And so knowing that story is how we explain things to each other and how we've always explained things all the time. In fact, um, and Brené Brown talks about this in her work as well, um, we make up a story instantly on the spot. So if we don't have any credible information, we just make it up because the brain needs to understand what's going on here because uh, the brain works in systems and structures so that it can inform the rest of the body what to do. And that's true with stories story, um, you know, business-wise, um, you need to be able to explain what you do and why it's important. If you can't do that, I see so many, that's one of the reasons why I kind of started doing it in, for business. It was for pitching because I'd sit, listen to people who were brilliant people and had amazing services and products, but they couldn't explain it and they couldn't tell you what it was. And they were just, you know, they were at a loss as to how to use language and how to uh, use and how to use delivery at like a performance platform and, and whether they're speaking live, I mean, we can use it for content, but speaking, standing up, standing up and speaking for yourself is something that I think people really need to learn how to do. And what makes a great story? Well, what makes a great story, and this is the difference between uh, a story and a narrative, um, because all stories are narratives, but not all narratives are stories. And the way you can tell a story is it has characters, it has an event, and it has emotion. And most importantly, transformation. Something has to change. And there's only two transformations in any story. So either you are becoming more fully alive, which is a positive transformation, or you're becoming the living dead which is a negative transformation. And we can certainly see how the absence of story in culture 
is affecting um, us on a, on a worldwide stage. I mean, when you look at the leadership in the world, the leaders that have a story, which means like a vision that they can explain, they're leading and they're progressing. And those that don't, you know, how can you lead without a vision? You know, so I kind of am moving more from the pitching room into more the leadership area because we need leadership and we need leaders with a vision because without a vision, how do you know where you're going? Where are you taking us? You know, and um, then you can also on that worldwide stage, look at who's telling the, the negative story and who's telling a positive story. The negative story is one that's led by fear. And what's the difference between a written story and a spoken story? Another really good question. Thank you for asking that. Because um, when I first started out, I mean, I um, grew up with story because I come from a, a Celtic background, but it was my mom, who's actually German, who really introduced me to story because she used to do the story hours at the library. And she always used to read us kids stories. And because my sister and I fought so much doing the dishes every night or whatever tasks that we had to do, she would, she would tell us the stories. Like she sat down and read us all the classics like Black Beauty and Treasure Island and Robinson Crusoe and all that, because then we would stop fighting and start listening to this story. And it's true that when people are hearing a story, an oral story, that everybody's brain waves start to work together simpatico and become aligned. Um, and they've done uh, research with this as well. But uh, the written story is somebody's written that down. So somebody's taken that story and they're giving it their interpretation. And so often it's been the women and the matriarchal uh, line that has carried the story on, that has passed that story on to their children because they're the, they're sort of the story bearers, if you like, because they're the ones that we actually have two speech centers women do in their brains. So that's why we're so connective and communal and we do a lot of talking <laughs> um, usually. <laughs> so it's been carried through the oral tradition, through the matriarchal line usually. But the written story, that's all from men because men were the editors. Men were, were able to print and have access to distributing story. So, for instance, the Grimm's Brothers, which everybody thinks, oh, what a, you know, it's never been out of print for over 200 years since it's been going. But those two white Christian German guys took and gathered those stories from all these women and then they gave it their white male Christian perspective. So when I, um, as a performance storyteller, especially, um, it's my responsibility to do some research and some digging on those stories and to find out all the different variations and variants of that story. And then really take a walk with it and see how those metaphors and symbols and, and events are actually playing out around me and inside me. And then a, an oral story is an audience-formed craft. So your story will change and will be actually um, formed and crafted by the people that are listening, your listeners. So that's why it's really essential to understand how to deliver a story. And you have to really get into the nuts and bolts of like, 
what's going on with it what what's the what's the pattern of it what's the map of it it's not just a beginning middle and end it's much more like a like a heart cardi you know uh, heart cardi heart graph a heart cardiograph or whatever those things are because it has negative and positive you can boil what a story is down to three words conflict changes life there has to be that something's up something's changed something's knocked out of balance so if it's three stages you've got the normal or the beginning the once upon a time and here's how it all was and then you've got what are the um the blow up when everything blows up that's when the story really begins and then you've got what what it is now what the change is what's happening now what ha- what what transformation has occurred and what's the new normal so when it's written down it's all, then you have that kind of beginning middle and end and this is how it goes and blah 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 but when it's spoken it's much more alive it's a living thing and as a storyteller we have a a saying in our craft is that whenever we tell a story everyone who's ever told that story before stands behind us and anyone who's going to tell that story again is before us because the idea is that it's it's memorable and people remember it and then they repeat it so it's memorable and repeatable which i mean that is a marketer's dream so you know you want people to remember and you want them to repeat it because word of mouth is still the most the most credible and the most powerful sales tool that people have and it's also the most credible and powerful way to get information i mean you, you know yourself whenever you want to you know, do something, go someplace on holiday or buy something new. You say, what recommendations do do they have? They put it out on Facebook, recommendations. They even have a category for that. And Google used it with their uh, zero moment of truth, how we buy now. Usually people buy something after they have been uh, stalking you for a long time. For a long time. So it's not like, um, oh, wow, I see that new shiny package. Or, oh, that was, you know, that that's something I needed. Something like they thought about it for a while. I think a friend of mine used the example of, uh, you know, those groups on Facebook, those gossip girl groups. And there was a huge long thread about mascara and what was the best waterproof mascara. And it's like, oh, my God, everybody had an opinion. Everybody weighed in. It was like thread miles long. We're talking about mascara here, okay? (laughs) But word of mouth is the most powerful. So when you have a story written down, that's a great starting point, but I think do some research. And you talk about your research, about how you look to see where the origination of that particular stories come from. It's the the different cultures that for you need to sort of be spoken and that truth be heard. Is that the case? Absolutely. I mean, um, people always, uh, and this is going back to advertising again, there's um, some guys, I'm going to kind of call them out here. Um, uh, it's Donald Miller. He's produced a book called uh, Story Brand, you know, and it's it's a good book, you know, and it's the handbook for a lot of these guys in advertising and, you know, it's a good book. But um, he uses the hero's myth, the hero quest, the hero quest story. 
Okay, and this is the monomyth. And this monomyth was um, uh, really made popular by Joseph Campbell in the 90s with his uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces. And what he wanted to do was to boil it all down and say, we actually all tell the same story. But we don't, you know? One of my favorite books in the Seattle Public Library was The 5,000 Variants of Cinderella. And it was a book that was just a reference book. And it just said, here's another one. Here's, here's this culture. And it gave you a tiny little, like the bones of the story is what we call it. Like this happens and this happens this way. And it's like, ah, so the sisters actually washed their hands in milk for seven years. But the younger sister who didn't do that, Oh, okay. So there's got to be something going on with that. You know, so what I mean? it's those variations that make us different. I mean, and that's how I kind of got the, the really started in storytelling was in the 80s on the, on the uh, school curriculum was multiculturalism. We had to be more multicultural. Well, how do you teach that? So they would bring artists and storytellers in to look at art and story and different, uh, you know, whether it was visual arts or, you know, oral storytelling. And I started with stories of origin because talking about where we come from and why we are the way we are and why we do what we do. I mean, people that know their family history are a lot more cognizant of who they are and secure and confident in where they're going. And it's the same in business. If you know the origin story of, of what that companies stands for and where they started from and all of that. If that's what you steep people in rather than this mission statement that's that people think is their story, then they're a lot more, they buy in a lot more and they want to be a part of that story. So yes, you need to go and you need to look at diff- a different culture if you're, you know, where that story comes from and how that story plays out in different cultures. And you need to also figure out how it resonates with you. Like what's attracting you to this story in the first place, you know, because that's a big clue. Stories find you. So why have you spent so long working in this particular field? Oh my God. Is there anything more fascinating than a story? I mean, you know, my mom brought them to life with the different character voices, you know, and um, so that really led to me um, becoming an actor uh, because I was just fascinated with bringing characters and situations to life and and getting to live inside of them. I mean, it's it's kind of like that's another thing that story is so, so important is that we get to play it out before we're in it. Or if it happened to us, we get to kind of go back and go, what happened there? You know, people spend tons of money and hours in therapy going through their personal story and and, and needing that container to do it. But I um, have found that story has been the linchpin of everything for me. Yes, I went off and became an actor and I really loved that. But again, like I say, it was the characters and what made them the way they are. And when you really do that deep character work and really analyze the the, the beats of action in, in a situation, you know, you're unpacking a story. And so I um, got to, when I was, uh, I just found so many, many ways it to uh, use story, you know, from being um, an artist in residence and working in schools. I also worked at, I was an artist in residence at the uh, Seattle 
um, Woodland Park Zoo <laughs> and the, the uh, longhouses in the Seattle Science Center. And then here I've worked for National Trust Properties then done storytelling in clubs and um, again with businesses and in um, startup incubators and stuff like that. You know, story is kind of like half story will travel. It covers all the bases. <laughs> So how much of the story is in the script as opposed to the delivery? Well, uh, that's an that's an excellent question um, because if I, to really answer that, uh, one thing informs another. You can have the best story in the world, but if you don't know how to deliver it, it just kind of falls a little flat. And that's you understanding the meaning of the story. So understanding your own story and how it's informing you is really important to getting your purpose and your message clear. So in any sort of a public speaking model, uh, you have, it's a triangle and you have content and you have structure and you have delivery. So you need all of those things to kind of make the house stand up. So the content is, is content is like water, you know, it's like, uh, words are like water. They fill any container you put them in. So you want to have like the kind of what we would call the, the bones of the story. What, who is it? What's happening? And um, what's the what's the main what's the what what what's the main uh, drive of it? So the main drive is always that object of desire, that transformation. What is it that you want? What does a what does a character want? What do you want? What are you trying to get? And and then um, fill it, you know you get those things straight. So who are you? Where are you? What do you want? That's always it. Um, the structure is how you put that together. And so that's also what I work with people on, finding that story and then how to structure it. And like I said, the, the brand story guys use the monomyth structure and that's all they use where your client is the hero and you're the trusted guide. And certainly that's played out a lot, you know, in history. There's been, a, you know, all the blockbuster Hollywood movies play out that way. But there's so many different ways to tell a story, which... Um, reveal different things about it. There's the uh, the false start, which is amazing. It starts out one way and then whoop, flips it on its head and it becomes like something else. I mean, that was famously done by um, J.K. Rowling when she gave her commencement speech for Harvard. Um, and she, you know, starts out, you know, congratulations. And I sat where you are and you're going to change the world. And then she flipped it on its head and said, but within seven years of sitting where you did, I was the biggest failure ever and had failed at everything. And because I was a failure, I made one thing great. I'm going to tell you about the gifts of failure. And it's like, not what you expect to hear. So you know, that's the thing, telling the unexpected. My One of my favorite techniques is the and media res, which is <laughs> drop right into the middle of it. You can see that exampled in many of the, the Netflix series, you know, to, it hooks you right away and you have to find out what's going on. Breaking Bad is a classic example of that. You know, that opening scene with Walt in his whitey tighties driving like a maniac you know, in an RV on a desert with a dead guy in the back. It's like, what? So you have to know what's happening. So finding that there's a, I, there's a billion different structures that I use. Um, nesting, um, you know, uh, using um, 
three different things and doing the connecting thing. So you got maybe four different ideas and how you connect them up. Uh, the mountain, which is the climb. And uh, that's an interesting one because the ending doesn't necessarily have to be a winner. It can be like a losing, you lost at the end, but the journey wasn't <laughs> the thing. So structure is really important. Structure will then inform your delivery. And what about people who are sitting listening to this right now and thinking, but I don't really have a story. How do they find their story? <laughs> Everybody says that. That's one of the biggest things that I um, say, you know, and I kind of say, this is what I do. I'm a storyteller and I help you um, find and deliver your story with impact. But most people think they don't have a story or their story is boring or they don't, um, they don't know what to do with it. And that's what I do. So we, we really kind of spread out that landscape and your story never shuts up actually. So if you're not doing it, it keeps poking you in this, all these different ways and kind of giving you that like a big bony elbow in your ribs going, Hey, 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 what about this? <laughs> so you get presented with a lot of opportunities. You get interrupted a lot, especially women. We get interrupted all the time. That is really what delays and distracts us from our story is the burden of being the world's caregiver. And uh, so you're so busy being the midwife to realizing everybody else's dreams or stories or, you know, your story is just, you know, kind of like the narrative of your life. So when you spread that out and you really look at those threshold moments when things were changed, because that's also in a story where the learning drops in and the gaps, like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. The mind opens up and it's like a, like a bird with an open mouth going, where's the worm? Where's the worm? Where's the worm? So having, not answering the question a lot of times keeps people's minds open and they keep listening because they want to know, which is why in media res really works as a structure. So we look at all your threshold moments and we see some themes and patterns there. Um, I worked with a client once who, same thing, you know, uh, we, I, one of the things that I do for like a, in a quick workshop is I say, okay, let's look at the, the first worst or the best job, your first job, your worst job, or your best job. Let's tell a story about that quick one, you know, an antidotal story. Oh, my first job was really terrible and I really hated it. And it was boring. I was a manager at this department store and I had to do it because my, to support my husband and, you know, he was a, a, becoming a doctor. And so she went on and, and you just kind of keep holding the space and asking questions and asking questions and asking questions. And then suddenly she went, oh, I almost got in a fatal car accident. And I was like, did you? What happened? She almost, um, she fell asleep at the wheel and nearly had a head-on collision, which did what? Woke her up to the fact that this job was boring, not working, and she stopped numbing herself out because that's what she was doing, numbing herself out, putting up and shutting up, sucking it up, just get it, going through the motions. Something will happen in your life that says, stop it right now. You can't do this anymore. That's when, that's when life blows up and that's when your story starts. So um, sometimes it's good to let things annoy you and pick at you and set you off. 
because that might that will set you on a much more dynamic journey. As women, we've been taught forever to to do just that: suck it up, shut up, put up, make it all, fix it, fix it, fix it. Stop fixing. Stop fixing it, and start letting it annoy you. As Gloria Steinem says, the truth will set you free, but first it's got to piss you off. So I um, let it piss you off, man, because <laughs> then you'll find your story. So say you found your story. How can you then enable it to serve you? Mm, that is an excellent question. So you've got it. And it's like, we look at what is it? What is it saying? Dig out the metaphors. I really am hot on that because the metaphor is the spine of your story. And uh, a metaphor is a mini story in itself. And we tell them all the time, you know, one thing transforms into another as opposed to a simile, which is like or as. So, uh, you know, I look for those because that's what a story does. It allows us to talk about really hard, really difficult things or really complicated things. But it gives us that context, that metaphoric context that makes it relatable. You know, it gives us that comparison or that contrast or the antithesis of it. Um, it, uh, it really helps us, you know, explain it in a way that inspires action, gives us a visual or gives us a, 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 an emotion. In fact, that's what it is, emotion. It moves us, motion. So we look for the emotion of the story. There's four drivers in a story, okay? So that's what, we, that's what I do is I break it down into these four things. There's a physical landscape of it, you know, physically, what's happening? Where are you physically? So the where. And that can be your physical body as well. The other one is social. What is the social culture like? What's the culture? What's the social morals, if you like, of the time? So for instance, the social at this time um, is all the you know, the, 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 the COVID stuff that's going on, all the Me Too stuff that's going on. Because all these things are happening, which is, again, in a story, when the heat turns up, when the pressure comes on, all the cracks are revealed. No one can hide behind personas or caricatures or characteristics. The characteristics fall away and a character emerges and you get to see what's really going on because under pressure, the truth emerges. So the social, all the social rules are, are the social. Then we have the personal, which are relationships. What are the relationships that are going on? And then we have the inner. What's the inner dialogue that's going on? What's the what what what's going on inside of you? That that sort of struggle. I mean, Nike um, has done a brilliant job forever of establishing the central character as the protagonist and the antagonist, and it's you. And it's that struggle you have with yourself about, you know, should I work out or not? You know, should I go that extra mile or not? You know, and they're like, just do it. So uh, that and that person wins out. So it's not about making people athletes. It's making them feel like that. So, again, they're using emotion. They're using the physical body, the, the tiredness that you get. They're using the social thing about like, yeah, you know, I should work out. I should be better. I nah, 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 nah. All that shooting and wooding and cooding. And um, and then the relationships, the relationship that you have with yourself, you know, don't letting your, not letting yourself down. Um, so, you know, the, those four drivers. So it's the personal the inner, the relationships, and the physical, the personal is the relationships, the physical landscape, the social, and the inner, those four things. So we look at the four drivers and then find metaphors 
ways in there. So with those four drivers and the metaphors, and if you looked at the copy that you're writing currently, how can you sort of give yourself an audit and shake yourself, your, your language up? One of the, the, I would say, where are you in it? <laughs> where are you? And um, what do you think, you know? And uh, how does this relate to, to actual stuff that's happening to you right now? Yeah. The biggest uh, posts that get the biggest notice on even platforms like LinkedIn are the ones where people talk about their personal, you know, and certainly with the uh, the recent working from home um, that everyone has been participating in because of the pandemic, it's made it a lot more real like oh that's where you live that's your book you know the biggest conversation about zoom calls was like what's on your bookcase you know (laughs) having kids and pets you know and having a life and so and that and i'd say people because people buy from people anyways and we're very very cognizant now about where stuff comes from what's in it and who's selling it to us who we do business with in your copy look at it and just say you know is this how I talk? Read it out loud for starters, make it conversational. And then who are you talking to? Have a real person in mind. Talk to one person, your friend, or, you know, everybody says your ideal client. That's always flummoxed me because I'm like, I don't know. But the more I talk to people, I'll I'll know who that woman is, that one right there, that one who's on the cusp, who's really fed up of, you know, the com- toe in the company line, who's who's really, you know, has, you know, sick of listening to what the boys have to say all the time. That woman who's like kind of where I am now, you know, menopause, really don't need to please anybody. Don't need anybody's validation. Don't need approval. But I have a, a wealth of experience that I need to um, boil out down to the wisdom. And so I would say to making it personal, just say, what do you think? What do you feel? What do you want? And then just put it out there. And again, go back to the piss you off. You know, talk about your pest peeves. Anger is really the first layer of emotion. That's what will crack it open for you. The other one is laughter, <laughs> finding the humor. And, and, that, and, and don't be negophobic. I mean, people always want to tell, a, you know, give it that positive spin. But, you know, the, the negative is really... I promise you all that joy, happiness, and, you know, love and stuff. That's all great stuff. But the best stories are really coming through what you had to go through and what, what challenges you're facing now. The best stories are where you go. I don't know. I don't know. Again, the gap opens up. Ask questions. What's, what's on your mind? I guarantee you, if you're asking that question, there's a, that's questing. There's your hero quest. A lot of other people will be asking it too. And then you say, this is what I'm going to do about it. What should, you know, and then we're going to go, oh, she's going to do that thing. Then you've got an episodic story you can tell, which, you know, I just wrote a blog about that. Uh, you can amplify your story, but with that drip feeding, and that's what all the big brands are doing. They're, they've hooked in, especially with digital it's episodic storytelling so people can tune in like it's a Netflix series, <laughs> you know, I, who's really good at that is um, uh, always, they are telling an episodic story 
about confidence in young women because they looked at their, they, they do feminine products. Their audience are young girls who are just starting on their menstrual cycles. And the biggest thing that happens to girls at 12 is they lose their confidence. They lose their voice, you know, and, we, and it plays out in culture, you know, oh, that's such like a girl. So they took that hashtag like a girl and they made it about what is a girl like? How does a girl run? How does a girl throw? You know, what should a girl be like? And then they went to their, their community and they said, how do you feel about this word? And then they asked them about how they feel about everything, sport, emojis, everything. And they've been running that campaign for quite a while. And it is the most watched episodic ad on YouTube. So by taking the personal into business and, and having that compassion and showing some truth and honesty and sort of putting the, the mirror up to people, they're becoming more authentic in, in their communication. Mm. Absolutely. And it gets you authentic in your communication, you know, it gets you talking about that. I think uh, you've had Marina uh, uh, on, and she's fantastic. She's a fantastic storyteller. She she uses visual medium uh, a lot, and behind the scenes, uh, and that's what I do. I have a radio show that's about business story on a uh, community radio, Marlowe FM, and that was my whole interest in it. I wanted to hear the story behind the business and the, and the business person. And when you get to hear what set that idea off, it's people finding solutions for what they couldn't find a solution for or because, and how they came to their business. You know, people say they fell into it. It's like, or tripped over it more like, <laughs> and, or, and a lot of it, it found them or they just ended up, you know, like I had Liz um, Robbins, who's the uh, payroll queen on, and she just loved payroll. She was really good at it. I mean, not many people do, but she does. And I think, you know, she has a passion for making sure people are treated right and paid well. And so, you know, fantastic. The payroll queen was born and she's just really good at it. So um, I think, uh telling your story and, uh, you know, getting to grips with it and looking at it, 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 it will inform your purpose. It will, it will really attract the right people to you because people are going to want what you're doing. Most people want to just be like you and they want to go where you're going. So you end up being a trailblazer and getting some fellow travelers <laughs> and that's what you want. You know, you, you don't want a mass following of people. You want people that are really on board. You know, you want people that are really engaged. And the only way to engage people is, I mean, how do you, how do you, what engages you? You know, what engages you? You know, knowing something about somebody, being able to say something that, uh, when people, uh, it's called disclosure. And that's how people operate. First, you, you know, everybody tells the usual stuff. I'm so-and-so and I do this and I live there and blah, blah, blah. That's stuff that anybody would know. But then you tell somebody something that you wouldn't know by looking at them. And then you find, oh my gosh, you suffer from PMDD too. I do too. 
oh my God, periods were a nightmare for me. I don't know why we're talking about periods all the time, but it's because it doesn't usually get talked about. And it's such a big part of our lives, you know, and people discount it. And, you know, now that many of us are coming into menopause, there's been an upsurge in like, let's look at menopause and why that's such an important story that has not been told very much. And I've uh, been been doing a lot of reading over the summer, and one of the books I've read was the uh, the Slow Moon Climbs, and it's um, it's it's kind of a, it's a reference book. So again, I go far and wide to get my stories. I get them from reference books, from business books, from story anthologies. Um, sometimes I get them, and they're just this little paragraph, the bones of a story, and then I have to do this research on it. But it talks about how Genghis Khan's mother was actually the mother of all of China. And it goes on to explain why. She didn't have all the kids, but she was able to, because she wasn't bearing children anymore. She'd been kicked out of her husband, who was Genghis Khan's father's house, because she couldn't have any more children. He took on a newer, fresher wife. But she raised those kids. And then she took on other orphans and she raised them. So it's giving them that you know, knowledge and wisdom and, and teaching again, back to wisdom, women carry wisdom. Women have vision. Men do stuff without that vision, you know, without that how and why it's just stuff that you do. And it's pretty destructive when it doesn't have a purpose as we've seen. So, um, I think, think I forgot your question. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, um, so what is your mission? What is the legacy that you really want to encompass with storytelling? I need to free the story. I, you know, it's like getting people to, you know, freeing the story from people and putting it in their own words, in their own voice. I think that is so valuable. You know, even on Audible, when you hear the author speak their own words, it's so much better. They, you know, they know it. It's them. You know, it's them telling you their story or their insight. Um, so my mission is really um, focused particularly on women because we have been so underrepresented throughout history. Um, I think I was talking to you um, earlier about a book um, that really caught my eye at the Hay and Why Festival last year. And it was by uh, Carolyn uh, Criado Perez, and it's called The Invisible Women um, and Exposing the Data Bias in the World That's Designed for Men, because it's, it's you know, it's kind of like white is the, the invisible race. You know, people never refer to themselves as white <laughs> because we just assume that they must be unless there's something else. And it's the same thing with um, men, you know, mankind and using it, men as the gender neutral. And it's like, but no, actually, it really is, um, they, they've left women out of the equation so much. So from hearing um, women's stories, especially women that are really stepping into their power, which is where we used to be told we were washed up, <laughs> but it's actually where we're really coming into our power which is once we hit those 40s and 50s and we're not doing so much of the child rearing and the caring and the and the you know pleasing and building and finding our place where we don't really care anymore we are becoming comfortable in our own skin my mission is to get women to tell their story, which is why I'm um, putting together these incubators so uh, that it, it's, it's more than just like workshops and learn these skills. It's like coming together 
and getting the facilitation to share those stories and develop those stories and you know get the wisdom that you can share them out in the public because we need your wisdom no more now crucially no more crucially than now i mean it's very crucial now to hear real stories from real people because there's so much misinformation out there there's so much confusion there's so much um so many lies that people have told to prop themselves up so when you hear people just speak plainly and truly and talk about themselves their own experience you know that's where we get the most credible information and that's where our wisdom comes from from that sharing of true experience boiled down extracting that wisdom and really making it shine out like a like a beacon so i'm i'm really um excited about these uh incubators and in, in getting um the collection of people because they'll be for, they, and they usually are they're from all all different um you know disciplines and walks of life and I mean, some people, I, the one that's currently I'm putting together has somebody who's doing charity work because uh, her son's autistic. And so she's getting people to uh, fund um, assisted living situations. And then another person is, she's a, a marketer. Another person is uh, in tech. Another person is, um, the, I think she does network marketing. I, there's just a variety of people that come on and for different reasons. And the main thing is, is because they've been told, I got to get my story and I got to learn how to speak. And so that's what we're going to, we're going to do. We'll find that story, structure it. And there'll be several different structures, you know? So I like to give people a palette stories because you never know which one. And it, be, it starts making you recognize, you know, and really learn these storytelling skills. So it's kind of like the do re mi. Once you got the notes to sing, you can find a story anywhere, and you can learn how to deliver it. So I'm really into empowering people to to um, be able to to do it themselves and pass it on. And then delivery, the delivery techniques, and that comes from being a voice artist, knowing how to build a character up from five lines in a video game, <laughs> and um, and also from uh, being an actor and, and knowing how to just use that space, use that energy, that reciprocal energy, and not be afraid of it, but to really have that audience and um, take them with you and be informed by them. So how would people get in with you, Stacia? Uh, you can find me on Story Stacia on Instagram, uh, Stacia Story on Twitter. Uh, I am on Facebook as Stacia Keogh, and that's K-E-O-G-H. It's an Irish name, so there are letters you don't say. And um, my website is StoryPrez, so storytelling and presentation. So, and that's Prez with a Z, so StoryPrez. Well, I'll make sure they all go in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us, sharing your why, your your purpose behind the storytelling and, and how important that has been for you and continues to be. What are your final words for the audience, please, Stacia? I would say you are the most credible source of information. Don't ever doubt your own experience as being important. You know, what you've been through, what you've lived through, all of that stuff is wisdom. And it just takes some reflection 
and a listening ear so that you can, you know, empty out that heart and really empower your soul to to stand up and say, this happened to me. This is important to me. This is what I want to know. This is what I don't know yet. I mean, that's where the story starts. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.